And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right. Uh, I, the big news of the day, honestly, is the situation with Iran. Holy smokes. I don't know how many of you have been paying attention to this. This is a very big deal. Um, Iran was plotting to kidnap an American journalist, and we caught them. Uh, we have arrested, I think, four Iranian agents. But really, I think, you know, the bigger story beyond that is really how the the administration is responding. That's the thing. Uh, we'll get to that here in just a second because, I mean, this is just a it's 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 not surprising, but it's still bizarre. If that makes sense. And you know what I've started to notice is as I start using descriptors on various things that I'm talking about. And I say, you know, this is just, this is unreal, but it's not. <laughs> it's like expected, but unreal. Everything's a walking contradiction right now. Everything. The world is so screwed up that stuff that should surprise you no longer does. Stuff that should be out of place no longer is. And that's how messed up everything is. So this journalist, and I, I probably am going to butcher her name because I have not listened to a single piece of audio with her name in it today. So I apologize about that. Uh, is it Aline, uh, Aline, Leanhead Massey? I hope I got close, okay? I'm not good with names. Most of you know that. Uh, so anyway, she's a journalist. She's confirmed that she was the target of a plot, and we have charged Iranians in the plot to kidnap her. Now, they were going to kidnap her in New York City, and she's uh, she's tweeted out. She goes, I'm grateful to the FBI for foiling the Islamic Republic of Iran's intelligence ministry's plot to kidnap me. This plot was orchestrated under Rouhani, this is the regime that kidnapped and executed uh, Ruhala Zam. They've also kidnapped and jailed several other people, and, and she's kind of talked about this. Um, this is kind of what she does. So what is so... This is what weakness looks like, all right? For a second, take a step back and try, try to give yourself an honest perspective of what would happen if President Donald Trump were in office and somebody was trying to kidnap, a foreign government was trying to kidnap an American at all, let alone on American soil, how do you think Donald Trump would have reacted? Josh, Josh is doing the, the, the cutthroat thing. All right. We already know he literally scissored an Iranian general to death because he was plotting to kill American soldiers. Remember that? And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about because of the funny scissor reference, which I, you're good people if you got that. Um, this bomb is basically a bomb of a bunch of blades, and it's designed to not... Have you not seen it? Josh hasn't seen the bomb that killed the general. Um, this bomb is designed to not cause, um, you know, other casualties with civilians and things like that. No collateral damage. And so it basically comes down and these giant, like, knife blades come out and just slice you up like salad. I mean, it's, it was amazing. The, the pictures, the pictures of, of, well, they're very gruesome, but the pictures afterwards were just, I mean, honestly, they were, they were, they were cool. I don't know how else to describe it. They were cool. You saw the car, you saw some parts of bodies and things like that. It basically just scissored them to death. I mean, it was amazing. And that was a guy that had already engaged in, in activities against Americans and was planning to do more. So imagine what Trump would do to the Iranians. That was an Iranian general, again, the leader of the Quds Force. Imagine what Trump would do to the Iranians if they were plotting to kidnap a journalist on U.S. soil. And in spite of the leftist rhetoric in this country, Donald Trump was never trying to suppress the media. That never happened. You know, he, he didn't 
he didn't overtly go after them and try to arrest them and hack into their accounts and things like that. Now, later in the administration, as as journalists were leaking classified sources, they did seek legal remedies to inquire about their cloud accounts and things like that to see if they could figure out who the criminal was that was leaking information to the press. That wasn't targeting the journalist, though. It was targeting the journalist's accounts, but it wasn't targeting the journalist. They weren't trying to put the journalist in prison. They were trying to figure out who the person was that was breaking the law. Because as we have been over this many, many times before, you know, a journalist has a right to keep their sources anonymous. But when that source is breaking the law, the government also has a right to seek justice. And that oftentimes requires them to go into the journalist's private accounts. That is normal. That is okay. What's not okay is some of the stuff that we saw in the Obama administration where they're just targeting journalists, where they didn't have a case against them. Uh, even stuff that Jen Psaki was involved in. That, that stuff wasn't okay. So this is a journalist. I don't know anything about this woman, okay? But, but imagine for a second what Donald Trump would have done to the Iranians if he found out about this. I, I have a couple of, of ideas. I don't think that he would have put the nuclear deal with Iran back on track like Biden did today. I don't think that he would have lift, lifted energy sanctions on Iran like Biden did today. Why did this happen today? This is just bizarre stuff, right? So you got a plot to kidnap an American journalist in New York City by the Iranian government. The FBI foils the plot. Today, Biden waived sanctions on the Iranian oil trade? On the same day? Why do you waive sanctions against a country that just plotted to kidnap one of your citizens? This doesn't make sense. I'm waiting for another pallet of cash to be sent over to Iran. That's what I'm waiting for, because that's kind of like what the Obama Biden default wing of the Democratic Party does. They just they just give Iran free stuff. They don't do anything else with them. They just give them free stuff. On the same day that that you announced to the entire world that the Iranian government was trying to kidnap an American journalist, you waive the sanctions against their oil trade. Huh? And at the same time, the same time, you announce that you're still open to restarting the nuclear deal with them. What? You have to understand something. This isn't even just close proximity stuff that could just be timing. This all happened on the same day. Iran's going to kidnap one of your citizens, presumably to hold, hold on trial, probably execute, right? They're, they're going to do that to one of your citizens. They're going to conduct that operation, which is illegal, on your soil and steal one of your citizens from her home on American soil and fly her all the way across the world in an, an operation that is illegal. I'm not saying that we don't do it. And everybody has intelligence operations, but those are illegal. They're all crimes. So the same day that they're going to plot to take one of your citizens, you waive the sanctions against them, and you tell everybody that you're still on for the nuclear deal with them? Huh? Now, e- even she is out there. I don't know what her political leanings or anything like that are, but, I mean, she's out there and she's going, yo, basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, she's saying, Biden, man up. They tried to kidnap me for crying out loud. <laughs> it's like U.S. officials tell, uh, this is uh, Nahal Tusi. Uh, U.S. officials tell tell me Biden Edmund intends to keep pursuing efforts to revive the Iran nuclear deal despite kidnapping plot. What? What? This is just, 
it's so... You know what? Bizarre is not the right word. Weak is the better word. It's weak. For a U.S. president to acquiesce and give financial benefit and to relieve sanctions on a nation that is a hostile enemy nation anyway and has now just been caught red-handed trying to kidnap one of your citizens for you to give them free money and to make their economy better automatically on the same day is weak. I, I don't know what else to say. And I don't care how left of center you are. In the back of your brain, it doesn't matter what your visceral response is to this because you just hate Republicans and conservatives. In the back of your brain, you know damn good and well I'm right. Nobody, doesn't matter what political party they're from, should be tolerant of a foreign government trying to kidnap American citizens. Period. Can we all agree on that one basic fundamental point? If it was Israel trying to kidnap an American journalist, I would be just as pissed as I am now. We are at a point now where we can't even agree on this basic premise. This basic premise that we shouldn't have foreign governments kidnapping Americans at all, let alone from our own country, for whatever reason it is. Go through diplomatic channels. If she's committed an actual crime, go through diplomatic channels and try to get her. My assumption is she didn't actually commit any real crimes. Of course, Iranian crimes don't really matter to us because they're crazy. And just because she's a woman and she goes outside, she's committed a crime. But can't we agree on that basic fundamental point? The Democratic leadership should be destroying him right now. It's just bizarre. You don't lift sanctions on a country that just tried to kidnap one of your citizens. You just don't do that. It's, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Hey, I, I don't know what else to say. I really don't. Trump probably would have would have lit up a city by now. I mean, not, not entirely a city, but I mean, he would have done something. There would probably been sanctions or something else. I mean, he would have been... He would have been angry and furious about this. And right now, there's nobody in the Democratic side who's speaking up at all about Biden's weakness on two issues the same day that we announced this attempted kidnapping in the United States. And even if it wasn't a United States citizen, even if it wasn't an American, that wouldn't matter anyway. There's somebody under our protection in our country, right? So a foreign government coming over here and trying to kidnap them, that would be a violation of our sovereignty, and that would be something that is punishable by, at the very least, sanctions. You don't lift them that day. It's crazy stuff. There was a time in, in our country's history where this was an act of war. And I mean that, seriously, genuinely. We have gone to war over this. There was a time where this was an act of war. And it's being treated as it's just, you know, another Wednesday, and it's not really a big deal. Where's the journalistic journalism community on this? They should be absolutely furious. I mean, there has to be more than just, well, they arrested the guys that were going to do it. Yeah, they were under orders from their government. You can't, you can't, they're not, they're not lone wolf actors, people. They work for the Iranian government. This was a sanctioned plot by the government of Iran using their intelligence officials. You can't just stop with, oh, well, the people who are trying to do it are in jail now. And you certainly can't stop with, oh, well, the United States might do that too. You can't stop with that. Sorry, this is a journalist. This isn't a military operative. At least that we know of. Jamal Khashoggi 
was a was an operative. Now he got killed, and the media hasn't shut up about it since. But that is a guy who was not a journalist, yet they call him a journalist. He wasn't a journalist. He was an intelligence operative who was trying to overthrow the Saudi royal family. And you you may not like it, but I don't know. Consider this old school. You try to overthrow the government of a country, there's a good chance you're going to end up dead when they find out about that. I'm sorry. Do we not see a bunch of blue checkmark celebrities right now on Twitter advocating for everybody who is in Washington, D.C. on January 6th to be executed? I've heard that on CNN. I've heard that from their personalities. I've heard that from CNN personalities, too. Um, So what am I missing here? If we are so divided and entrenched in our tribalism that we can't accept the basic fundamentals that American citizens shouldn't be kidnapped on our soil by a foreign government without us uniting against that government, and we shouldn't be angry that our leadership in Washington, D.C. is refusing to punish said government, if we can't unite on that one thing, there is nothing that unites us. We might as well carve up the country right now and split. Because there's no coming back from that. If you can't unite on that fundamental principle then there's no going back. Maybe we're farther along in this whole precipice thing than I thought we were. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm not done with Biden yet. By the way, um, looks like we had a nice little jump in new subscribers on Rumble yesterday. I appreciate that. I gave a a speech yesterday, and a lot of people hadn't really heard of Rumble, and I I noticed that when I started mentioning it, that people were jotting it down and pulling their phones out and stuff like that. So, you know, start telling your your friends and your family about it because, you know, there's going to be some folks that have not yet heard of Rumble. And, you know, Rumble is, again, for the first time, we've had a legitimate competitor to YouTube, especially for political commentary, but not exclusively for. I mean, if you're a creator at all, whether you do video games, whether you post you know funny memes or whatever it is, uh, DIY stuff, that's all on Rumble too. It's it's a it's a full YouTube thing. It's not just for politics, and it is a, it's a great platform. Highly recommend it. You can watch this show right now at Rumble.com/slash Casey the Host. Okay, so it's not just Iran with the Biden administration. It's Cuba, and. You start looking at this. I mean, this stuff is just, again, it's bizarre. Okay, we have we have a situation here in the United States on the southern border where people are coming into the United States illegally. People are trafficking children in order to get through the catch and release system. We've got cartels doing doing exploitation on the southern border as a result. Hundreds of thousands of people a year. Tens of thousands of kids right now are in those cages that they're always talking about. We've got federal officials speaking out about abuses that are now happening because of the sheer capacity issues that they're having at the southern border with these children. News media is not covering it at all because, well, it's Biden and they don't want, they don't, here's the thing, I have to stress this as much as I possibly can. If your skin is not white, if your skin is brown, black, yellow, red, If that's your skin tone, leftists do not care about you unless you can give them something. And some people are going to listen to that and go, that's not true. That's harsh. 
I can prove that. I consistently demonstrated on this show. If the issues with Trump and the border were legitimate, they would have made those same issues about Obama and the border. They would have made the same issues with Biden and the border. But they're not. Why? Because they don't care about the actual people there. They only care about the political angle that they can exploit. That's all they care about. Black Lives Matter, except when it's the overwhelming majority of things that cause black people to lose their lives. That's you can go down a whole list of this where they do not apply the standards that they say that they apply universally. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later about them curmudgeon, you know, harpy white liberal women who are lecturing everybody on race. But you know, we got this issue on the southern border where they're saying anybody can come in. They just want a better life. The Cubans who are now trying to flee what some are calling a, an, an impending genocide. I don't know that it's going to get that far. They're being told by, by Biden's homeland security, do not come to the United States. Do not try to escape Cuba right now. We're going to send you back. What? So you can walk across the southern border from Mexico and, and whether you're coming from Honduras or Guatemala or what have you, and we'll take you no matter what the circumstances because you want to have a better life. Cubans who are actually fleeing oppression are going to be turned away. But we're the racists, right? More coming up, 95.3 MNC. Oh, this is an interesting question that I just got in the live stream. Uh, Casey, are any of the leftists in your building seeing the light? No. No. Uh, they are fully enveloped in the darkness. Look, um, a lot of this happened, at, you know, again, the speech that I was at last night in, in going over a lot of things. Here, Okay, here's the one compliment that I always get that I'm not afraid to say what needs to be said, all right? And I think most of you, whether you like me or not, probably accept that. Um, I don't I don't really censor myself at all. I, I'm, I always say I'm too old for that crap, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a relatively young guy. I'm just at a state in my life where I just, I really don't care. Um, you know, there are things that I, I will... I will not do because I obviously it's not worth doing to lose my job. And I don't want to hurt people that are at this company because, you know, I, I like the people that I work with tremendously. Um, but one of the things that I said yesterday is you can't, you can't be afraid anymore and you can't play defense. And you've heard me say that you can't be on defense for years now. You can't. Uh, the only guy that's come along that's not been on defense has been Trump. And he completely changed the political, the, the political spectrum. I mean, he just, he did. You know, we, I have to remind everybody about this. Go back to the, go back to the 2020 election. Okay. Just, just do yourself a favor and go back. We're going to go into the Georgia stuff here in a second. Go back to the 2020 election. All right. One of the most compelling arguments that Trump didn't actually lose. Forget about the specific cases. Let's just look at the overarching thing. Okay. One of the most compelling arguments that Trump didn't lose is we have an historic pattern that is decades old when it comes to down-ballot voting. So you start at the top of the ticket. That's where you vote for president, right? And you vote for your senators and your congresspeople and down, down the ballot, right? Americans always vote in the same percentages down-ballot versus just single race. There are people who will just vote for president and not vote for anybody else. But those percentages are always the same. And there was an exorbitant jump in the number of people in 2020 
that voted for just president and didn't vote for anybody else on the ticket. Now, because it was so abnormal, now there will be people on the news and there will be, you know, people out there who will just say, well, that's just, you know, it, it was a weird election year and, and COVID and everything else because that's their catch all. But if you're going to mail in your ballot and you're not even going to fill out a couple more races, even your Senate race or whatever, and you're only going to fill out the presidential race, and you're doing so in, in you know, numbers that are hundreds of times higher than at any election previously. And not only that, well, let me just finish that point. If you're doing that and you're only voting for that race in, in larger numbers than have ever been seen before, instead of voting for other races, that is suspect. And that is what would happen if you're in a crunch and you've told everybody that there is a pipe that is burst, even though no pipe is actually burst, right, Fulton County? And you're trying to fill out and stuff ballots. You don't have a lot of time to fill out all of the ballots, so you just fill out the one race that you're trying to win. And that's what a lot of people have looked at. The other thing, the other thing is that the sheer amount of people who voted Democrat for president and Republican for the rest of the races doesn't make any sense. Trump is more popular within the Republican base than Ronald Reagan is. That hurts people's feelings sometimes to hear that, but that's the truth. And the polling had been that way for over four years. So how is it that Republicans won everything else on the same ballots that Trump was on, but Trump didn't win, even though he was more popular among Republicans than even Ronald Reagan was? He had the highest inter-party popularity rating that we have seen in decades. So how is it that he lost? This has a lot of people looking at it and going, shenanigans. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Every Republican won in this district, but Trump lost. Yet Trump is extremely popular in the polling in that district. What? That doesn't really make any sense, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of these these arguments there that you're looking at. Um, and that's why they had to take him out. But you know, going back to the point that, that I'm making, it, it he was on offense all the time. And he was extremely popular as a result of it. He gained in every single demographic except for white men. White men were the only ones that he lost votes in when he came around for re-election. That was it. He gained in every other group, including black women, who are the most liberal of all demographics. So you start looking at it. What did he do different? He went on offense. You, you've, you can't be on defense anymore. You can't. Now, I think that Republicans have done a better job of deflecting the you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're, you're a homophobe thing. I think they've done a better job of that over the past couple of years. Um, but you have to go on offense. You've got to provide the examples of how they're racist. You've got to provide the examples of how, um, you know, how they're sexist and how they're homophobic and everything else. Because they are. They, they are. I don't, I don't know what else to say. They are. Perfect example is what I was just talking about with Cuba. Now, of course, on the, on the Discord server, people pointed out, well, the reason that the, the Biden administration doesn't want Cubans here, um, even, though, even though they're in the Latin community, is because, well, Cubans vote Republican. Which further proves my point that it's not about the people needing a better life or escaping horrible conditions in their home country. 
which the Democrats always use to justify anybody coming across the southern border and getting released into the United States. How is it that the Biden administration's policy is if you come from South America or Central America or Mexico, you get to come into the United States free of charge. You get to hang out here and we'll even release you into the country and catch and release. And then uh, and then you get to stay. And if we've even deported you under the Trump administration, come back, we'll let you back in. That's a policy under the Biden administration, too. There was even a policy where if you were a criminal, you could still come back to the United States. We, we talked about that. The Biden administration said, even if you were deported because of criminal activity, come back, we'll let you back in the United States. But the Cubans who are in the same overarching racial group aren't allowed into the United States, even though they're fleeing right now, a, a communist country that oppresses and abuses their people and people are starving to death and they have no health care. COVID's not being handled very well. They're not allowed to come. I thought it was about people needing a better life for their families. I thought it was about people leaving countries in which crime was an issue, starvation was an issue, poverty was an issue, which they have made about everybody coming through Mexico. That's the arguments the Democrats have made. They just want a better life for themselves. Their country is dirty. Their country is corrupt. There's cartels. There's gangs. Even if they're not specifically a target of any of this, it is seen as a legitimate asylum claim, according to the Democratic Party, for anybody coming through Mexico and coming through our southern border just because their home country is a bleephole country. Nice little throwback to the whole bleephole comments. But it's not okay for the Cubans? Cubans are Cubans are Latino. Many Cubans are black Latino. Why can't they do the same thing that everybody in the southern border is doing? I thought it was just about I thought it was it was about making sure that everybody had had an opportunity for a better life for their family, right? That's that's what it was about, escaping bad countries and coming to the United States and having an opportunity to live. Apparently not for the Cubans. Why? Ask people in your inner circle who vote Democrat, ask them why. Why is it the Cubans can't come here, but the Mexicans and Hondurans and Guatemalans can? What's the difference? There's one. That difference is Cubans vote Republican. Which means they don't care about non-white people having an opportunity in the United States. They only care about certain non-white people who they can exploit for political gain. Shove it right back in their face. All they do is exploit people for votes. That's all they do. Stop letting them get away with it and go on offense. Stop being on defense. Somebody says, you're a racist because you don't want the Mexicans in here. Say, you're a racist because you don't want the Cubans in here. Put them on defense. Let them defend that position. Let them come up with an argument of why Cubans can't come to the United States, but Mexicans can. Do it. See what happens. I'll, I'll put the, the communist regime in Cuba up against the cartels any day of the week. Because the cartels, frankly, have less of an impact. More coming up, 95.3 MNC. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. So let me let me revisit the election issue just for a second because this is going to tie into what we're talking about in Georgia because several things have been discovered in Georgia. Georgia has continued to advance as a story for some time. We've been giving you updates on it here recently. Um, Republicans dominated the 2020 election. 
Everybody forgets that because Trump's not in the White House. But Republicans won the gubernatorial races. Republicans won the House of Representative races. Republicans won Senate races. Um, Republicans won the state legislature races. I mean, it's, you know, Republicans ultimately, it's a 50-50 split with Kamala as being the tiebreaker in the Senate. So on the Senate side of things, things didn't go good for Republicans, but they were supposed to lose more seats than they did. And on the House side, they dominated. But Republicans, even ballot initiatives all across the country, Republican initiatives were successful and liberal initiatives were not, by and large. So Republicans dominated 2020. You wouldn't know that because obviously the presidential race that that everybody is is so concerned with. You know, that should right then and there when people call me and they're despondent on that. I'm like, well, you know, that momentum is still there. You just have to make sure that that carries into the midterms and then the next presidential election. So let me give you an example here. Democrats are freaking out today. You know why they're freaking out? Well, they're freaking out because once again, in Georgia, Republicans won a special election and they overperformed. So Republicans overperformed in the Senate races. They overperformed in the House races. They overperformed in, in the gubernatorial and the legislative races around the country. And now in the special elections, uh, they've been doing very good too. Now, Georgia is a place where two controversial elections happened that were special elections in which Republicans lost. But now Democrats are like, uh-oh, Georgia Republicans got a big win over Democrats in a special election for a state House seat on Tuesday night. Republican Devin Sebaugh defeated Democrat uh, Priscilla Smith in the election for House District 34 with 63% of the vote. This is a huge overperformance. It's a landslide. You got like twice the vote as, as the other one. Former Senator Kelly Loeffler, Republican of Georgia, who recently launched a nonprofit organization aimed at registering and reaching voters called Greater Georgia celebrated the GOP's win. Not only that, but they've also discovered that there was a 60% error rate in vote counting in Georgia during the election. 60%. And I've got some news about Arizona, too. Remember that audit in Maricopa County? We're getting a little tidbit about what was discovered there. We'll talk about that on 95.3 MNC.